Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. So, you were born in America? I was. American well, citizen. I was born in the great state of Texas. Uh, what, do you, what is that? It's kind of its own nation. So. Oh, man. You traveled outside the U.S. Yes. Yeah, multiple, I have. Multiple countries. I've never lived outside the U.S., but I have traveled. You've lived in I've Hong lived Kong. lived outside the U.S., lived in Hong Kong, China. It's pretty different than America, you could say. Now is it just called China? Um, pretty much. Beijing yeah. has a pretty tight grip uh, on everything that is Hong Kong. Journalists have gone missing over the last few years. Protests have all but been squelched. Uh, the government has been propped up, replaced by Chinese power. Businesses are leaving Hong Kong. Um, yeah, they, they arrested the PCCW um I think CEO, founder, something like that, basically the head of NBC in America, kind of a, a major news source or Wall Street Journal, something like that. And he, he's been arrested for anti-government conspiracy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's effectively China. Okay. Function for sure now. Uh, yeah. Good bit you, different than U.S. Good bit different than U.S. Uh, yeah, you could say that. Um, when I was there, I was there from 2007, 2011. I didn't feel it nearly as much then. Uh, the handover from Britain back to China had already happened, but it felt like a pretty free society and functioned that way. And business was flourishing and th- things were great. Uh, it changed pretty quickly the last few years. Uh, I think. COVID kind of, I think, just helped kill um, the spirit, the pro-democracy spirit in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, in fact, you know, I uh, I was an intern in Hong Kong before, and I um, was gone for a year. Didn't come back to the States for a year. And my parents came to visit, and but I didn't go home. To this. I traveled different places in Asia. And I, when I was going back... I flew to Hong Kong on September 11th, then I flew back the next like June or July, something like that. And when I got back into LaGuardia Airport and I was going through customs, I gave my passport to a customs agent who just exuded Americana, like big, you know, bulletproof vest. Just, you know, he had to look like there's nothing, nothing ever funny happens in his job, everything's serious. And uh, he took my passport really seriously, didn't say anything, just took it, stamped it, and said something like, you've been gone for a long time. I said, yes, sir. He goes, welcome home, son. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd never met this guy, but I was was like, I felt home. You saluted him. You saluted him. <laughs> <laughs> don't no, don't I did. lie to me. You I didn't, but him. now I have. Now I, I never thought about it, but now I regret. Maybe I, uh, maybe I should have. Uh, you know. You started hearing Lee Greenwood playing between your ears <laughs> in the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee. <laughs> that was 
it was I I I didn't cry, but I I felt deeply warmed. Mm-hmm. I just hadn't realized how long I'd been gone from my home country and where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he said that, I was like, "Oh wow, yeah, I've been gone." Mm-hmm. Um, I have pretty I have pretty deep affections for our country. Would you say that you do? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I think patriotic affections. Yeah, like I, 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 there are times where I still um, tear up when I hear like the national anthem or something like that, you know, uh, particularly in like a, uh, you know, a, a patriotic setting, you know, something like the Super Bowl. Baseball game? Something, yeah. <laughs> Every baseball game? <laughs> no, I, you know, we, we're coming up on the uh, 20th anniversary of September 11th, which is in two days from the day of this recording. And, and, uh, you know, I'll probably tune into whatever I can. I, I'll probably see at least some review clips and things like that. And, um, you know, I think that's a pretty emotional uh, time just to watch the celebrate, not the celebrations, but the memorials and the, you know, uh, national anthem. And then like to see the clips, you know, of after that day happened and uh, all the, you know, all the effects, all the people that, um, said things like president bush giving a speech and you know all those kinds of things i think those still grip me emotionally for you know one reason or another and so yeah i mean great affections i mean i I know the feeling of coming back home any foreign country i've ever visited it's just it's never it's never had that it's a cool place to visit it's maybe even a great place to visit i might even want to stay there for a little while but there's there's nothing like coming home onto the, the shores of the U.S., you know. It's mm-hmm. just a different feeling altogether for yeah. me. And I'm assuming that people's home countries would be that way for them, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's one thing that I learned from being overseas, living and traveling, is that, um, shocker, not everyone just wishes they were Americans and wishes they could come to America. Uh, that a lot of people in the world love their countries. Yeah. And they're proud to be Filipino, uh, proud to be um, uh, even Chinese. Uh, Hong Kong citizens especially have a lot of pride um, about their about their country, what used to be a separate administrative region. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Australians. I mean, there's just, um, you know, UK, Britons, there's just not... There, yeah, there are things that people look to America, I think, and go, wow, that's great. Wish we had that. That's cool. Culture, policy, things like that. But by and large, um, my, you know, one of my main experiences was learning that most people that I ran across thought of Americans as arrogant. Mm. That that was a general idea about kind of a, the American persona is we think that we're the best at everything. Mm-hmm. And that we kind of have a right to the whole world. Yeah. Did you ever experience that? Oh, yeah. We, we, um, I worked in Cupertino for, uh, three months one summer and, mm-hmm. uh, two, two guys that were on our team were from, uh, England, from the UK. And mm-hmm. they, uh, they made comments like that along the way, but they said, you know, we miss home and we want to be home and that, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. the standard of living in America, is astronomically high, <laughs> you know, and and so they were like, we get it, we understand, you mm-hmm. know, why why you guys are 
kind of the way that you are. Like there are certain bragging rights about about being in America just because of the standard of living that you that you come with. There's often mm-hmm. this sort of air to you of going, you know, what kind of place is this uh, that doesn't have the kind of standard of living that we have mm-hmm. in the United States? Incidentally, those guys also gained more weight during those three months. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. That's another. I mean, that's true. Uh, por- yeah. Portions are different. Um, yes. Very different. So yeah, yeah. Well, so I think I think there's I think there's that kind of uh, the wealth and the prosperity that is here in this country. Poverty. We don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, true poverty. We don't really understand. And I don't mean mm-hmm. that in in like a bragging sort of way. I mean that's to our detriment. I think to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. largely poverty in this country is a result of of often some really some choices that led to that um frequently because mm-hmm. of just the amount of prosperity that's in this country and the amount of jobs that are available the amount of you know those kinds of things it's it's normally a person i think the statistic is crazy of like someone that goes that graduates high school um doesn't uh, have a child out of wedlock and there's one other thing I can't remember what it is um, mm-hmm. is the the um, your the poverty rate is like two percent or something like that it's something astronomically low mm-hmm. and and it's just kind of a, a testimony to what's available in this country to a person that that really it's not even like a bunch of really great choices it's just mm-hmm. you avoid these three pitfalls and you know, in general, there's going to be some success on the back end. Not especially mm-hmm. not the kind of poverty that you see around the world, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Our 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 poorest are ab- well above global poverty by any stretch. We I don't, we talked about this, I think, in a sermon that I preached sometime this year. I was looking at the numbers, um, uh, what our average poverty is uh, compared to. Uh, around the world, I'd probably say India is the place I saw the the poorest poor I'd ever seen in mm. kind of systemic community uh, poverty. Um, yeah. I've never seen anything like that. I'm sure there are other places I just hadn't been there. So, um, right. yeah. That, do you, so let me ask a question. Do you think we? Do you think that we as Christians are free to be proud to be Americans? That that we should um, love being Americans. Do you, do you, and do you think we ought to be able to? Um, do do we have right reasons to maybe be embarrassed sometimes uh, about the either embarrassment of riches that we enjoy, or just the uh, the cultural moral um, implosion that we're watching? What do you think? Well. Yeah, I mean, there's a a number of different answers to that. Like, can we be proud about the the place that we live? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think not only can we be um, proud, we can we can celebrate its success. Mm-hmm. We can pray for its welfare. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about there's there's two things that I think are fundamental. Into our understanding of 
what how how we actually exist right now like mm-hmm. what what is our state in right. the world how does god see us how should we as christians see it you've got on the one end uh god is about to send the children of of israel into well actually the the judeans into or the, the um into babylon in exile in jeremiah 29 7 he says but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And then, which is all well and good, but that's the Jews going into exile. Peter in the new Testament in first Peter two eleven connects us to an exilic community. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. So he is Mm -hmm. talking to a community of Christians, and he's calling them, he's connecting them to sojourners and exiles. We are aliens, as it were, in Mm -hmm. the place we're in. So we are very close to the you know, exilic community that's going out into Babylon in some sense, that mm-hmm. the the whole world, the country we are in, especially, is to us uh, Babylon of sorts. That doesn't mean that it's all bad. In fact, Did I think you that's just a... call America Babylon? What? <laughs> what? Shocker, I know. But I'm, tra- I mean, I'm tracking I, with you. That doesn't, in, that doesn't but in make seriousness, it... you are making a connection. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't mean that Babylon is all bad. I mean, certainly Babylon is not good. That's for sure. But Babylon <laughs> is not all bad either. Um, mm-hmm. In that, it, you know, like he says in Jeremiah twenty nine seven, pray for it, pray to the Lord's on it, pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, that is the place where you live, you mm-hmm. will find your welfare. So I mean, there there's something to celebrate there when in fact you have welfare. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you consider, you know, where we're at, you know, things that a lot of places don't have the right to vote, um, you know, some say, at least in elections to one degree or another, you have, um, you know, just a number of freedoms that, uh, the, you know, innocent until proven guilty. There's a lot of things in the court system that are, are to our advantage, a justice system that to one degree or another often works. Um, more often than it doesn't. And so I think you you have those things. You should uh, pray to the Lord for the, for the welfare of the place where you live, and you should have some measure of, uh, of joy in, in that welfare is being achieved and that the Lord is answering that prayer, you know. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side, you also, we also know that, that wealth is, is a trial. It, it's mm-hmm. not, I think often we, especially, and we, we have the prosperity gospel largely to think for this, that um, we think of wealth just as a, strictly a blessing. And, it, and it's it's a determination for us that the Lord is on our side. Hey, I'm wealthy. I have all that I could yeah. possibly power, ever want. So that must mean that the power. Lord is with me. Yeah, yeah. I have mm-hmm. some measure of, of power. And th- that must mean that the Lord is with me. But I think the Bible is pretty clear that uh, that it's difficult for wealthy people to see a need for the Lord. 
mm-hmm. children of Israel marching into the promised land. It's difficult for them to see in their prosperity that they still do need the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, the rich man easier, easier getting for a into camel. heaven. Yeah, mm-hmm. camel going through an eye of a needle. It's easier mm-hmm. for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. So, I mean, you know, there's a, a, a lot of uh, instances that the Bible uh, portrays wealth as a trial. It's, it's, uh, it's not all good. It is going to tempt you to look away from the Lord in every capacity, to trust in the work of your own hands rather than what the Lord provides. When's the last time you prayed for daily bread? Mm-hmm. You know, you, we don't because mm-hmm. we have a pantry full of food. So mm-hmm. I don't need to pray for my food every day. I don't. And I don't have to pray for. It. I order it on uh, H E B to go. Yeah, if you yeah. don't. Yeah, certainly. If you don't have it, you 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 simply order it, and mm. you go get it or whatever. And so, you know, I I think um, with that being the case, we are tempted to look at the work of our own hands and to be deceived. Uh, Jesus talks about the deceitfulness of riches and how it withers that root that's not firmly rooted, whereas a person that is kind of growing up in poverty or disease or whatever is going to depend on the Lord uh, far more easily than a person who grows up in wealth. And that's just a biblical fact. And um, they're they're just going to turn to the Lord uh, more easily because they have nowhere else to look. And essentially, that's the whole point of the book of Matthew is that to enter the mm-hmm. kingdom of heaven, you have to be completely dependent on the Lord for everything. Yeah, the hard part is getting, is kind of becoming poor, becoming the um, the Beatitudes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, how is it that, that you can, as a rich person, become poor? And Jesus' answer to that is, with man it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. It's God that has mm-hmm. to turn the heart. And so we know that is true so it's not like we want the poverty gospel or the prosperity gospel we want the gospel gospel which is god that changes the hearts of men that's true but Mm -hmm. we also know that the outward circumstances do have a a, the lord uses those external circumstances as a as a tool in his hands you know and for a rich person it's difficult you know to to actually depend on the Lord, which is the mm-hmm. point of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I go, you know, I'm like, I, I'm, I have so much patriotic history in my family. My grandfather served in the Navy for 30 plus years, incredible career, incredible story. Uh, several family members served in the military. I considered going to the Navy myself. My dream was to be a Navy fighter pilot and, um, and you know, fly planes and, you know, be Top Gun and, you know, do the whole thing. Uh, I don't think I was ever actually close to that, but I dreamed about it, you know. Um, I thought, <laughs> I thought that, I don't think I'm smart enough. I don't think I have the stomach. I don't think I could take the G-forces to even get in one of those things. Um, if Tom man, Cruise I can just, do it, I can do it. <laughs> just... <laughs> I just have I have such high affection at the same time uh, I just don't I'm just not that worried about what happens to America and I just I'm just not losing sleep at night wondering what's going to happen to our country and I feel I feel torn 
like, I love this country. I want good for it. I pray for it. I pray for our leaders. Uh, I, I pray that we would be able to live our lives in peace like Paul told Timothy and that that would be God's will. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, every country is going away. The kingdom is coming. Um, I So I just... I just I just wrestle sometimes with apathy, just to be honest. Not just about um, not in a way that means I don't have affection for my country, but in a way that just I just thought, you know, I'll, I'll, as much as being a patriot, or as much as influencing policy, as much as voting gives me an opportunity to love my neighbor in a Jew stuck in Babylon. What can I do for the good of my host nation? Way I want to do that. Um, but I certainly don't feel any pressure biblically or from God to kind of take over uh, America policy offices, all of the I don't feel a burden to kind of take them over for God. Nor do I feel like God is kind of looking down at the church going, y'all need to get in there and take over all those offices and take that country back. I don't I just don't see that in scripture. Do you? No, not per se. But I mm-hmm. think that there are how does how is God going to answer the prayer for welfare for a nation? Mm-hmm. How, how would that welfare come about? Well, mm-hmm. it would have to come about, you would think, by ethical people people in leadership that rule in an mm-hmm. ethical way. And yeah, it'd be I hard to have that happen while Caesar is reigning in perpetuity right or while yeah i mean put you know hitler on the on in the white house you know right forever you know let's say or whatever it it would be difficult to see how the nation is going to flourish in that sense and how that will be to your benefit your blessing your well-being the well-being of your neighbor so how is it that god would conceivably answer that prayer. It doesn't necessarily mean that a Christian is going to be on in in a position of power or authority, but I think that's potentially one way he could answer that prayer. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think while I don't personally have a burden to get into the halls of power, run for office, be elected, or any of those kinds of things, or, you know, make my living or my day my daily life in politics Mm -hmm. i don't i don't think that christians should be immune to that either that there there should be and and probably is a number of christian people who see their service to their country and to its well-being and the well-being of their neighbors with them in office and Mm. i think that's not inherently a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's something that we should, you know, encourage should the right person come along and someone who is not addicted to power or gain, but someone mm-hmm. who is um, with a, a, a heart that points towards the Lord, um, you know, seeking to the benefit of his city and mm-hmm. the benefit of his country. And I think a, a, a Christian can do that. And I think if a Christian, if a man is true, a man or a woman is truly a Christian, then 
their the ideals, the ethics that they subscribe to in following Jesus, I think are the highest ideals uh, available to us, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it would be better for a Christian whose heart is truly turned toward Christ uh, to be in a position of authority like that than for mm-hmm. someone who is bent on power and gain and all of those kinds of things, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the proverb about uh, wicked rulers and um, uh, what's the word? There, there's a there's a proverb about when wicked rule, the nation is in strife or something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that makes a good point that we we can't just we can't just kind of retreat to the hills and start a Christian monastery in America. Um, if we want to pray for good, we also have to assume that God could use putting good people in good places to do good things. Yeah, I mean, um, if you think about if you think about in in Israel's history, even um, mm-hmm. you know, and when God is judging them in Isaiah three, he in in verse four he points out, "I will make boys their princes, and infants shall rule over them." Mm-hmm. Um, that one of the measures of his judgment <laughs> against a nation. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't it sound like a sound like something that's happening right now, for sure. Not this but, is not fiction. Wait, what? I've never seen this happen. Yeah, I've never seen what well, this is totally foreign to me. Never um, seen someone talk like a baby on Twitter from the yeah, POTUS handle. What? Huh? Ever. There's no <laughs> this has never happened before. Um but you know, maybe one day, who knows? Um <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, one of the measures of judgment that God levies against a nation is to remove men of wisdom and men and I should, I should I say that as just like mankind, you know, men and women of wisdom and instead give them infants, mm-hmm. toddlers, people mm-hmm. who I would assume, despite their age, would be mm-hmm. intellectually toddlers, though probably he means literally Mm -hmm. (laughs) the people who are in positions of authority and kings are young very young Mm -hmm. which means that they can't make wise decisions right you know so it it it, i think it's it's a measure of judgment that the lord uses so why should we not pray against that you know and why should we not pray for people to come into positions of of authority and leadership that would be that would you know for lack of a better way of saying it have a good head screwed on their shoulders have yeah. wisdom and that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to say know. next time my kids complain about a decision I make is listen son there's a biblical reason you're not president yet <laughs> <laughs> why don't you just simmer down okay yeah, yeah. Um, you you understand <clears throat> if you were to become president that would be God's judgment on us <laughs> <laughs> they'll understand that. why don't you just take over the family today okay buddy let's see how it goes yeah, yeah. everybody gets uh, cake for dinner yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Well, quick question: Do you think Christians should have joined the insurrection? When you principle? say insurrection, what are you what are you referring to? Jan- January was it sixteenth, whatever this year? January the storm 6th. the storm the storming of the Capitol. Yeah, January sixth. Um, no. So this this is where I think we get. So into... you voted for Biden? Okay, now now. <laughs> It's all out, everyone. Now we know. I'm just, I'm just kidding. That's, that's the world we live in. How it works. I'm just being right. funny. Go ahead. 
so you wouldn't th- you wouldn't think that would be a good thing on principle to join w- right like so we where what are the lines that what are the parameters that we have in scripture it mm-hmm. seems like we have the parameters of we are aliens we are exiles we should pray aliens. for the welfare of the city because we have in its welfare we have welfare mm-hmm. however there's i think there's a big however there Mm-hmm. And I think it's implied just by how we understand our relationship with the world, um, that we're in the world and we're not of the world. So this is not a win at all costs scenario where I think we, and particularly this is true in America where we have experienced, this is one of the big dangers of prosperity and freedom and, you know, so many you know, modern conveniences and things like that that we have in this country Mm -hmm. is that we begin to think that it is save this quality of life, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. at all costs. Yes, save this prosperity at all costs. And we begin to think Christianity cannot function under a Marxist regime. Mm -hmm. Christianity cannot function under totalitarian rule. Or in Afghanistan or Iran. Yeah, there is no question that Christianity can flourish probably better under some measure of freedom, and I think Mm -hmm. historically it has. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think, contrary to what a lot of people will say in the pulpit, I do think persecution has a a net effect um, Mm -hmm. towards its its intended outcome, its goal, in that it, it does squash especially the free expression of Christianity, no doubt, but publishing, uh, it squashes evangelism, it squashes a lot of measures. Um, It squashes the lives of Christians. It literally kills them. Um, So I think it does have an intended effect, but, but we tend to think that the only way Christianity can function, the only way I can be a Christian, is if the public school systems pray. Or have prayer in school, or Ten Commandments are in the front yard. Yes, or if the yeah exactly, or if the Ten Commandments are in the Supreme Court, or Mm -hmm. if uh, if nobody is allowed to kneel at the national anthem. Uh, Mm -hmm. When I start to see things turn, and I think, Mm -hmm. well, well, this means the end of Christianity. That's where I think now I've bought into Americanity. I've bought into uh, my faith equals my country, mm-hmm. and that in order to exercise my faith, this country has to maintain status quo. And so then it becomes a win-at-all-costs scenario, and I start to blend that the lines of faith and nationality or patriotism begin to be blurred. And mm-hmm. I think that's where we're in really dangerous territory. And, and as far as January 6th goes— um, you know, I don't really necessarily want to get into the politics of what you call that or what that was or any of that kind of stuff. It d- doesn't really matter to me what, what it is, is, you know, I don't even know how many of those people would profess to be Christians, to be honest with you, if any. Um, but I would say that would represent the outcome of Americanity, the win at all costs, America first. We have to pursue this um, to save what is left of the union, so to speak. God is pretty clear. Pray, pray mm-hmm. yeah. for the blessing on your the community that you're going toward. Work yeah. in that, like, 
work towards its flourishing and its benefit, uh, uh, provide for the community, um, you know, bless the community as mm -hmm. a, a community of people who actually want its well-being. It, mm -hmm. it, this is not insurrection, win at all costs, fight with everything that you've got to make sure that you can maintain status quo or convert this to some sort of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is interesting. You go back to early pre kind of revolution American settlers and you know among the ideas of Puritans other groups coming over was this new Jerusalem kind of idea where the church was going to have kind of the total cultural influence and control that was going to be kind of a theocratic setting where finally God can have rule and reign in the church and in the government and in business and in all the sectors of culture and reality. And I just don't know. I, I think we would say that that was never God's intention for government just yet, but that he will establish that in the, the final total consummation of Christ's kingdom on earth, but that it's not for the, the church to exercise that kind of... Um, power or handle over the government right now fair i think it's fair yeah yeah that that i think that's it kind of hits the nail on the head that that one of the uh the intended outcomes especially you see this in puritan preaching in the 1700s is the idea and and writing for that matter that mm -hmm. the idea that america represents this sort of blessed uh blessed union um where the kind of the kingdom of God can be realized. And you mm -hmm. see a lot of post-millennialism kind of coming out of that and, you know, a lot of that kind of idea of, of hey, in the end, Christ's kingdom is going to be established and it's going to happen through America. That's baked into the DNA of this country. And mm -hmm. so we, we often naturally kind of have that mentality too that, you know, we're the bastion of freedom. We are... This is where the gospel is and where it's proclaimed. And, and, and I would say that's not true, being a pastor in, in this country, in this era. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I would say, no, there are, around the world, there are far more, I think, Christians boldly proclaiming the gospel, uh, at least just as many abroad as there are here. And um, and so, but yeah, it's baked into the DNA, and it's, it's um, I think it's a, it's kind of a part of our thought process is whether we admit to it or not and yeah. whether we regularly think about it or not. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody out there would be like, yeah, I am, uh, I am uh, someone who gets my faith confused with my nationality or the pride in my country. I don't think, I think everybody would reject that out of hand. Like everybody in either of our churches and, and across the, across America, probably they go to church on Sunday would say, you know, the vast majority of many would reject that out of hand. Mm -hmm. However, some would also demand flags be in the in the worship center, you know, uh, mm -hmm. on Sunday morning. Why isn't mm -hmm. the flag in here? You know, mm -hmm. um, that on patriotic on patriotic days, Fourth of July and things like that, would demand some sort of patriotic service or recognition of, you know, the country mm -hmm. that we live in. And yeah, and there's there's so you see it in that. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of going back to something we were saying a minute ago, like I just think that there a lot of a lot of times Christian nationalism or even kind of skewed Christian affections, desires for the nation, 
despite the fact that I don't even think we have time to get into the, the, the time today, just America's problems historically. Um, you know, uh, so like, you know, my grandparents' stories are about I, I ha- I've tracked my, my dad has gone through like uh, ancestry.com and I think we found it's a John Loudon who served in the Revolutionary War. Um, Colette, my wife, is a daughter of the Revolution, uh, which is an actual organization that can get you college scholarships, which I think she I'm like 94th college. cousins to George Washington. Yeah, I remember that. I was, thought you might bring that up. Uh, but there's, but like, that's the stories that come down. Like, we have the, we have heritage, investment, blood spilled, wars fought for freedom, you know. And I've got black friends who will say, we don't have those stories. Some do. Things have changed. Not the same. I'm trying to get into everyone's history. But it's not the same for everybody. And America isn't just like this, you know, perfect flawless glowing beacon of freedom in the world mm-hmm. uh especially even today you know like even even if we're doing better at racial things in some ways uh we're you know a, a abortion is just such a terrible evil wicked mark on our culture and and mm-hmm. who we are as a nation uh historically it's it's terrible uh aside aside from many many things but sometimes i i think that I'm just kind of beginning to learn that when I hear nationalistic kind of hopes and desires for uh, America to prosper and be Christian, I just I just wonder if it's not kind of more and more and more thinly veiled prosperity gospel that I think this is what God wants to give us. I think this is the best that God can give us. I think this is God's desire to give us this country, and what God wants to give us is this country, and it will be great, and God's trying to bless us. He wants to bless us. We just won't take it or pray for it, and, you know, uh, if we if we would just humble ourselves and repent and return to the Lord, then He'll heal our land, right? That's, right. The, that's the promise taken out of context, that God wants to give us that. Right. And it's like, well, I just don't know that that's God's best. Right. It's it's so sadly below um, the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places that we have in Christ for one, uh, the inheritance that we have the sealing of the Holy Spirit Ephesians one. It's certainly short of heaven. It's certainly short of the consummate kingdom. So it it really just reeks of prosperity gospel. Right. Uh, it's far less than than what God could uh, give us and what He intends for us in Christ, and. You know the the flag thing. We we had a renovation in our church. I'm 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 going. This is, might be the first time I've ever spoken about this publicly. <laughs> Here we go. Why not? We had a renovation at our church years ago, and up until that point, we had the flag. And there there were some individuals who I think aren't at our church anymore who uh, really preferred the American Christian Texas flag all be up there. It doesn't bother me necessarily to do that. I'm happy for our church to honor our homeland or home country that we're in but christians are international we we're one with the body of christ and our kingdom and our king is a global group of people when we gather at our church it's an embassy for the kingdom of god which is made up of every tribe nation and tongue and revelation has already seen it john has already seen it that from every tribe tongue and nation they will be there singing and praising uh the worth of christ forever 
And that's what we're a part of right now. That's our polity. That's, that's, who, that's the passport that we got when we were baptized. That's us. That's, that's our citizenship. So when we gather as a church, we're not, we're, we are Americans by God's kind providence. And we ought to be thankful and pray for uh, America. And we ought to serve and uh, maybe even go to war for America and a, a, a lot of things. But when we gather as a church to hear God's word preached to, to the church, we're, we're, we're international Christians, as it were. We're, we're kingdom people. So I would love to have the American flag up there. I'd also love to have every flag of every member of our church whose ancestry passport is from another country. You know, so we have a German flag up there. We have an Australian flag. We have a, um, a Kenyan flag. We have a Mexican flag. We have United Arab Emirates flag. We have Pakistani flag. All the places, ministries, mission points that we support, right? Uh, because I think that, that that's God's idea of the grand plan of redemption, even going back to Abraham. He's going to bless the nations. And... Um, that's what he's doing through Christ, and that's what we—that's the gospel that we celebrate—is that uh, all the stars in heaven, and and you know as many as the sand on the shore, means the nations uh, that God was promised to Abraham. So we have zero nation flags in our sanctuary right now. If we were to do anything, I would love to see it be many nations flags, uh, the ones we're praying for and related to, much less any that we're praying for that they don't have churches in them right now. Uh, they don't have any uh, any Christian presence there to speak of. Um, yeah, there you go. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, you know, uh, going back to what you were saying earlier, I think— Don't, you d- don't dare disagree with me because I felt really good about that. So hope you hope about you the Jesus juke you. <laughs> it's about time. It's about time I, 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 I need it, man. Stick. I need it. I need it. I know. No, no go, go ahead. No, going back to what you were saying earlier— that one of the biggest, I think, issues for Americans as we read the scriptures and as we think about, you know, the uh, Second Chronicles uh, 7.14, I believe, is the one you quoted. Um, he says, my people will, who are called by my name will humble themselves and, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. And um, we take that passage out of context which is spoken to a specific group of people for one and then another one that comes to mind is at first right after the one that I read at the beginning of this which is Jeremiah mm-hmm. twenty nine eleven. for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord plans for welfare mm-hmm. and not for evil to give you a future mm-hmm. and a hope um, and so we, we take that and we put it on our wall and we go well you know several things in our country right now are creeping up, you know, maybe it's CRT or maybe it's Marxism or maybe it's, you know, communism or maybe it's uh, socialism or whatever, you know, is creeping up and we start to panic and we think, well, this is not the Lord uh, prospering us. This is Mm -hmm. not welfare. This is evil. So that must mean that we have not prayed. We have not sought his face. We have not turned from our wicked ways, and so he is punishing us. And mm. that mentality uh, is not the gospel, mm. and it's anathema to the gospel. Because mm-hmm. if you think about what he's saying in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and you continue reading, he says in verse 12, right after that, then you will call, when, when this happens, in other words, 
then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And the Bible is clear as you read the prophets that that is fulfilled in Christ. Mm -hmm. That is what he's doing right now, that Christ has come, Mm -hmm. and through Christ, he has blessed his church. Mm -hmm. He has told them in Christ, because he has forgiven us of our sin, that he will hear our prayers that he is right now in the process gathering his elect from the four corners of the earth. He is bringing them together right now, bringing them to salvation. That Mm -hmm. he is giving them a new heart. He's taking away their heart of stone and giving them a heart of flesh. All of this is in the prophets. And all of it comes to fulfillment in Christ, in the Gospels. And the New Testament writers pick up on all of this. And they tell us that this has happened in Jesus. This is what he's doing right now. He's ruling and Mm -hmm. reigning at the right hand of God, bringing about the salvation of all of his children. He's, he's mm-hmm. already saved his people from their sins, as Matthew tells us, and he is right now in the process of gathering his elect from the four corners of the earth. So the, the promise, the plan for prosperity that, that, Jeremiah, that the Lord promises through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29.11 is fulfilled in Christ, and mm-hmm. we, have, we are experiencing it now. There's no mm-hmm. scenario where I am in Christ and God is angry at me and is, is you know, bringing about evil to me. Mm-hmm. He intends nothing but good for me. Mm-hmm. And that may mean cancer and death, mm-hmm. but that is for my good because it brings about my glorification. So it, it, it's, it's a... We, we move the goalposts, <laughs> for lack of a better way of saying it, <laughs> when, we, when we think about uh, Jeremiah 29-11 as being fulfilled in the success or failure of this country. Mm-hmm. And instead, we should look to Christ and say, there is my nationality. There is my king. I will serve him above all else. And mm-hmm. I know that he has what is good for me in mind always and he will bring it about always he will not withhold any good thing from me so knowing that then even in the downfall of a country that i'm in even in its success or its its failure i can still say yes that's great my nationality belongs to the kingdom of heaven and in the meantime i pray for the welfare of the city that I'm in, because that means that that is a blessing to me. That is a, you know, that is a a goodness to me, but I don't despair when the country turns. I don't despair when the kingdom rises or falls, uh, because that is the nature of kingdoms. They're all beasts and they're all going to fall. Um, there's only one kingdom that can persevere through it all. So, that's the kingdom that I serve. And I think as long as we're in that position and we maintain that, then there's really, I do think, I think the, the flag issue in the, in the worship center is a hill to die on, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Because I think it confuses the message that we're actually preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, a lot of pastors will go, well, yeah, I mean, I don't prefer it, but it's not a hill that I'm going to die. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, because it is, it, it's, uh, you know, any given Sunday in our church, we may have an Iranian student, we may have a, a number of different um, people hearing the gospel for the first time, students from literally all over the world hearing the gospel for the first time. And the last thing I want them to hear is, in order to really be a Christian, you need to be an American. Or you and people from America. I mean, for yeah. that matter, people from here. Or, or you know, let's, let's not pretend that everywhere America has gone, it's always been received really well by all the nations, right? Yeah. It hasn't. And I don't want the gospel message to be confused with um, America's activity around the world. Right. I don't want to hitch my wagons to that. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, so the military goes to whatever Iran or where whatever country a student might be from, and you know, they're they're they lived in Belgrade, Serbia, and their family's house was bombed back in the nineties. And and they they while they are educated, being educated here, they still think of, you know, America in in sort of a. A, a bad way do I do I want the American flag behind me while I'm presenting Jesus I don't mm-hmm. yeah because to be honest with you I'm going to become all things to all people I do love my country and I am glad to be here and it's a it's an incredible blessing that I've grown up here and and I, I you know I love that and I, I would not want to live anywhere else at the same mm-hmm. time the gospel that I preach I don't want to be confused with citizenship in this country because that's not mm-hmm. what I'm preaching i'm preaching citizenship in the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. yeah amen amen so last question who'd you vote for no i'm just kidding i was kidding <laughs> <laughs> i voted for you <laughs> you wrote me in oh thanks I did. man thanks i put thanks. nathan loudon i think he would make the best president <laughs> in the world uh no that's man that's so it's just so good and i think I think sometimes Christians just need courage knowing we we should and can and are, are allowed to really think that way. And I think that gives us a lot of freedom of conscience when it comes to voting on policies and candidates. And uh, I've been real careful in every election at my church here. I'm not telling you who to vote for. I can talk to you about it. And, you know, the more the more closer we get to a one-on-one conversation, the more I might share more openly and personally understanding how you're hearing me right and interpret things but certainly never from the pulpit are you going to hear like um um be careful with that superlative but you know you you're not going to hear things about saving america you're not going to hear things about um taking over america you're not going to hear things about voting for a certain candidate you're not going to hear things uh you're just not going to hear that because that's not the gospel we're we actually have an entire kingdom that we're preaching and a king that we're preaching that we're trying to invite people into. Um, and sometimes that might mean, might mean leaving American nationalism to come to the gospel and say, you know, I'm, I'm leaving that as my identity. I'm leaving that. I'm not going to, doesn't mean you have to give up your passport and, and you can't be an American. You can't be a citizen, but it means when it comes to who I am, I'm not, I'm not American. I'm a, I'm a Christian who lives in America. I'm a Christian who is an American citizen, uh, just like Paul was uh, a, a Jew, but also a Roman citizen. 
and that provided opportunities for him that helped him uh, logistically and providentially. Uh, but Paul would rather go to prison than be a Roman. Uh, he'd rather go with Christ. And uh, I just think that's, that's where we're... Um, uh, that's where we're all at. So I'm thankful to hear it, and thankful to hear your encouragement on it. How do you, how does it inform the way you vote? I mean, it's tough. I mean, just generally, it's love your neighbor as yourself. It's um, I think of the church as the conscience of uh, the state. To use Martin Luther's term, uh, we're not the ruler of the state, but we're not the servants of the state. We're the conscience, and so. It's it's when I vote, I'm gonna vote for what I think would be lead to human flourishing, what I think would be good and right and moral according to God, because that's actually going to be what's most loving to your neighbor. Uh, so I'm gonna vote that way uh, when it comes to policy and people. The best I came with my conscience, um, and I think the the you know rather than being bound up and tied in knots and losing sleep all night uh, about that. I just do the best I can with what I can see before me, do some research, listen to speeches, look online, try to make as an informed decision as I can. Um, uh, and that might, that might even be joining, uh, uh, you know, some, some, any group, right? Um, I'm serving on an ethics committee for our state convention right now, and our, uh, one of our liaisons that's helping our committee helps our convention has been active uh, with Texas policy with senators and representatives and getting things done this session. I think that's good. I think that's a great way for our state convention to minister to our state uh, is to try to have influence in a way that uh, that's good and, and righteous. So we ought to do that, but it's it's there's freedom in that I'm, I'm just trying to do the best I can caring for this host nation that I live in as a Christian, knowing that God is the one who looks at the king like water in his hand and he turns it wherever he wills. God wakes up Cyrus in the middle of the night if he wants to. God does what he wants with Pharaoh. He hardens his heart. He softens his heart. Um, so, you know, the, quote, wrong president could get into the office or the wrong governor in the state of Texas, but it's never the wrong governor to God. Pharaoh wasn't in God's way, right? Caesar wasn't in God's way. Pilate wasn't in God's way. Uh, he, he wasn't kind of ruining God's plan. So I just feel a lot of freedom to do the best I can. I'll be foolish and not be laissez-faire and not be apathetic, but to, you know, be thankful for my country, love this country, vote with a clear conscience, doing the best I can to, uh, to offer and give righteousness and, and fairness according to a Christian worldview to my brothers, my sisters in Christ, to my American neighbors, to my international neighbors through our government, and then just leave it, leave it to the Lord. Hmm. So I just don't, I haven't been very anxious about voting the last few years. Um, we had some kind of round tables uh, at my home multiple different times about who you're voting for and why, what should Christians do? And we had really good discussion. But I just remember thinking like, you people are really anxious about this. I just, hmm. I'm just not. And I don't, I'm sorry, I don't mean that pridefully. Um, I just thought, you know, we just shouldn't be too tied up in knots about this. Um, God, God just kind of does whatever He wants, and He's gonna He's gonna do what He promised. He's in the heavens; He does whatever He pleases. I think we'll be okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I think uh, you know as Christians, if we're if we're looking at the kingdom of heaven as determining how we think about the world around us, then for many people, their vote isn't inherently moral. So they go to the ballot box and they check a box one way or the other and then go home and, you know, they don't really think about it or has no bearing on them Mm -hmm. as individuals. For us, though, we can't afford that way of thinking about it. For mm-hmm. us, it is an inherently moral decision. As an example, mm-hmm. like you, you have, let's say you had two people who are murderers, you know, that are running for office. We reserve the right to not vote mm-hmm. because our, our vote is inherently moral. We're mm-hmm. a, a Christian's vote is a vote of approval in some yeah. sense. Yeah. Because we're basically saying as representatives of the kingdom of heaven this person represents as cl- as close to kingdom values as we possibly can affirm for office. Mm-hmm. And so and, and and you know that's obviously left up to others to to your conscience as well. You know, yeah, there's freedom. I think if a Christian, like, like if a Christian wants to say, "Hey, here, here's the two candidates. It's Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar." I yeah. think a Christian ought to have the conscience to go, uh, "I'm not voting for either one of them." Right. At the same time, if a Christian pumps, jumps up and says, "You know, listen, Nebuchadnezzar is just a Pharaoh guy, and he's just he's just promoting a freer country, and he has a better economic plan," uh, I'm I'm voting for Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a, a way that the Christian can do that in conscience as, um, you know, I'm trying to do the best with what I have without right. giving allegiance right. to to the people. Um, yeah. And now if someone wants to jump up and say, well, how can you vote for Hillary when she does abortion? How can you vote for Biden if he does abortion? Things like that. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I want to be careful with that. You know, yeah. uh, if someone says you you can't vote for this guy who wants to do abortion in good conscience, um, you know, I would I would tend to agree, but also just want to step back and just go, if you're walking with the Lord, if you're honoring the Lord, um, and you you feel like you are compelled to vote, and you're making the best choice you can as a Christian, um, then you might be wrong. You might be doing something that's not very helpful, uh, and the Lord might actually have a better preference for you, but. You just have you're gonna have you're living so, you're living in the land of conscience and wisdom, in those decisions, not God's command. I think. Um, yeah. At, at least you're, you're, at least if you're not equating vote with allegiance, which is what I think you were saying. No, I, I'm I'm not equating the two. I'm saying that we every vote we have is moral. We reserve the right to not vote. Is more my point right. than anything else. That yeah, there, there's a, there's a handful of Christians that have the tendency to argue that because you're an American and you have the right to vote, you have to vote. A no a no vote is a vote. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's true. I, Which I it am, is it is numbers wise. It is numbers, numbers wise. wise. I don't really care. But you know what I'm voting what where I'm voting I'm in one way or another attaching my conscience to it. And so mm-hmm. that this is this is the dilemma that we live in. This is kind of the the reality that we live in. We have to individually think, okay, how am I through this vote loving my neighbor, making the wisest decision that I can, being as wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove, 
And yet, at the same time, this is a decision that is left up to the conscience of a brother or sister. So I think that's why sometimes the, the conversations about politics in the church are so fraught with controversy, is because we put ourselves in a position where we are now judging someone else's servant. You know, mm-hmm. if we're really servants of the Lord and he deals with us on a one-to-one level to some extent, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then I think it's it's futile to to then look at that the the servant of a servant of the Lord sitting next to me and going and and go you know how could you possibly you can't be a Christian because you mm-hmm. you voted this way or that way. Um, I think that's I don't think that's the right way to think about it. I think that's mm-hmm. um, I think essentially you've put yourself in a position of judgment. If you believe this person to be a Christian, they may be voting partially in ignorance. They may be. Uh, they may be making a sinful decision. Mm-hmm. They may be making the right decision. You may be making the sinful decision. Either way, mm-hmm. the Lord is going to deal with his servants in a in the time that he sees fit. Yeah. And so I don't really have to put myself in a position of judgment if I believe my brother to be a Christian or my sister mm-hmm. to be a Christian and mm-hmm. she voted one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can relax about that. And I can say, you know, I know for me personally— I can't vote for someone that promotes abortion, but mm-hmm. I think for me, for me, I, I, I have heard explanations from people that say, you know, um, whether you vote a Democrat or Republican in, in office, they don't do anything about abortion. And I think to some mm-hmm. extent that's true. Uh, mm-hmm. The Republicans are to partially to blame for abortion, too, because they have not done anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Texas so the condom do what? Texas just did. Yeah, Texas. Well, Texas yeah, the Texas is pretty, employing some measures, law. but there's a lot of political things that we can talk about with with that sure. with that law too, and sure. and how the pressure of running against other Republicans coming up in the race probably forced mm-hmm. Abbott's hand on signing a law signing uh, an abortion law into into effect so that he can at least put that on his record. Uh, mm-hmm. It's amazing what that what that has what that does. But all that mm-hmm. aside, um, you know. <laughs> Someone could point to the can point to abortion and say, you know, Republican or Democrat, nothing changes, and abortion's still going to be, you know, no longer safe, legal, and rare, but just as as often as they right. want to have it, and so it's still going to be just as much a scourge whether you're a Republican or a Democrat's in office. So let's let's think about other policies and things like that. And I can mm-hmm. I understand that. I mean, I can understand where they're coming from, and but but that's not the question that I'm really dealing with. The question that I'm dealing with is. Do I believe this person to be a Christian? Do they demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Um, are they, d- does, is the fruit of the Spirit evident in their life? If it is, then I trust the Lord's going to deal with them in regards to how they vote, when they vote, if they vote. And it's not my place to question another person's servant, you know? Mm-hmm. And especially in regards to, to that, I think it's important for us as preachers, as pastors, to encourage our congregation, let's put kingdom values first. Let's mm-hmm. vote for kingdom values. Um, and let's, you know, let's prioritize those. But let's not put our hope in a vote. Mm-hmm. Let's work and pray for the benefit and flourishing of the city that we're in. 
and let's not get caught up in the national stuff. God put you in a city, in a town, in a place, in a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Work in that place to his glory yeah. and influence the neighbors around you. Make your world small. And yeah. I think that's where we as churches have to go. We have to push our people is to say, let's make our world small. What garden has God actually put you in? Yeah. He hasn't put me in a global politics garden. He hasn't not even put me in a national politics garden outside of a single vote that I get, you know, once every few years or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's put me in a garden that's very small, that's in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, that is at Emmanuel Baptist Church. And I am here, uh, and he sets the parameters, the borders of my garden, and I'm to work it. So mm-hmm. make my world small, forget what's happening on social media and you know work with what he's given me and yeah. i think that that's where we can we can do the most good you know for our our nation for our country for our city for our town street yeah. whatever and i think that i think that's a helpful perspective that the lord doesn't put the burden of the nation on us mm-hmm. and as individuals for one or even as mm-hmm. the church that um, you know no i was given a talk for the ethics committee here in Texas uh, a month or so ago, and we were just talking about what to do. The talk was actually on persecution in Texas, specifically uh, in the church and what we should look for, what's happening, things like that. And one of the things we talked about was like, look, listen, it's, you know, there's really no safe space for Christians now. The rural parts of America are just as open to um, uh, opposition lawsuits and different kind of things. But you know, no no one else can serve on your school board. No one else can serve as mayor of your town. Uh, no no one who lives in North Carolina can, uh, you know, is neighbors with my neighbor, right? And so I'm just I'm just one man. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just and I'm just barely one man most days. <laughs> you know, like just, I'm just I can only do so many things, and mm-hmm. uh, there's just a lot of freedom and going. I'm just a I am a Christian. I'm, I am a child of God in the family, citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and I, I just have a little bit of embassy influence out there. You mm-hmm. know, just a little bit of opportunity and do what I can. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been good. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for uh, for some of the things you said. Helpful. Yeah, so if you ever do run for office, maybe... maybe uh, Maybe I could call you once in a while. We could chat about this this kind of thing. When my son becomes president, <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe I can swing you a ride on Air Force One or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would appreciate that. That would be fun. <laughs> All, right. All right, I'll put Thanks, that. Bro. I'll put that in my note for that man. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Fire and Bones podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. Consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links, including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Fire and Bones podcast.